find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. We just want to say here at the top that our hearts and thoughts go out to the people of Ukraine. I've been following the war closely and find it terrifying that people are actually living through it. It's astounding to see so many brave people fighting for their country and fighting to stay safe in shelters or as refugees. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 8th to release on Thursday, so the situation could be quite different once you hear this. But I, and I'm sure Aaron too, hope that the Ukrainian people are victorious in this invasion. Despite the current events that are still happening, we do have an insane case for you today, so we will dive into our normal content in just one moment, because I do want to say here at the top that uh, my family has actually experienced another tragedy. My grandmother died yesterday, and so we might be taking next week off. We are having to go to Raleigh slash Durham, North Carolina for her funeral, and so we are not completely sure if we're going to be able to record for next week. We might be doing a mini episode. We might be doing a feed takeover. I'm not sure, but if you see that, it's because we are going to be out of pocket for a few days going to that funeral and hanging out with my family and trying to comfort my dad. This is my dad's mom. And I know for me, having just lost my mom on December 31st, I know what that feels like and it's just the worst. And so I'm really worried about my dad. So hopefully he'll be okay. I know that he's older than I am, so it might not be quite as shocking. But at the same time, I mean, still his mom. So hopefully it'll be... It'll be a smooth trip, and we will be able to say goodbye and everything. Absolutely. And if we're back, we're back, but definitely there's a possibility we might be skipping next week. As always, you can support the show and get months worth of bingeable content over at patreon.com backslash badaxpod. There's a link in our show notes. Memberships start at just $1. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and telling a friend about us. We are really appreciating the positive reviews lately, so if you are so inclined, please do that. We would love five stars from you. If you are not feeling five stars, if you could kind of like not look at that part of the screen, that would be really great. <laughs> like, <laughs> no offense, but that'd be awesome. All right, now on to today's case. Today we are going to Austin, Texas in November 2015 to hear Katie's story. I want to say at the top that she has not shared her last name, even in her video interviews, because that is how she maintains her privacy. So we are just going to be calling her Katie as that is what she has released about herself. Back in 2015, 23-year-old Katie worked as a nurse in Austin. Austin, as I'm sure a lot of you know, is our state capital here in Texas, and it's home to almost 1 million residents. It's a pretty fun city. There's a lot of art. It's a very liberal city, which is super ironic because it is also the home of Greg freaking Abbott, yep. who lives there for now, hopefully not for long. And it's just wild that it's like probably the most liberal city in Texas, to be fair, Houston actually is as well. Very liberal, yeah. but... If you stay inside the city limits, it is, yeah. Yeah, it is inside the city limits, <laughs> but it's just wild in Austin because, yeah, and if you go to Austin and visit, you might be able to join in a random protest. Maybe not now during COVID, but the few times that I've been... Well, not few times. The several times I've been to Austin, I have a couple times joined in with protests because usually there's someone there that's pointing out whatever horrible thing Greg Abbott has been doing that week because he likes to do stuff. I mean, it changes... Whatever city, whatever week you go there, there's going to be some kind of horrible thing that he did that week. That's and right. you can protest it. He doesn't care, but, I mean, you can. <laughs> you can. You can march around the governor's mansion and protest it, hey. and he'll continue not caring. You got to do something, right? He doesn't have, like, that part of himself, I don't think. But that is true. Regardless, that is where he lives. Specifically in Austin, we are going to the historic Hyde Park neighborhood, which is located in central Austin. 
A lot of the homes in this neighborhood are Victorian or Tudor Revival or bungalows, and so it's really, really cute. Apparently, it's actually Austin's first suburb, but now it's part of the city because cities have gotten bigger. And when it was started, it was started for super racist reasons. It was a whites-only city for uh, for them. That is fucked up. Yeah, like, I, like it's... Yeah, I mean, but I don't, we're not surprised. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I we sh- I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's given like the you want to be surprised, and then you're like, that's nah, not surprising. Yeah. It's still messed up, though. Yeah, it's messed up. But that is how it started out. Not like that anymore. But that's what they started with. In the early morning hours of November fourteenth, twenty fifteen, Katie was finishing an all night date with a male friend who lived in Hyde Park, according to authorities. They decided to cap off their date by watching the sunrise. And a lot of times when you see stories about this particular incident, Hyde Park sounds like a park, but it's really just the name of a neighborhood. There's actually a park with a different name. It's named after the racist guy who founded the city, ironically. (laughs) um, I think that they might have forgotten to change that. uh, But I'm sure now that maybe we'll bring attention to it and they can change that name. But Hyde Park is the neighborhood. It's not the name of an actual park. Right. The pair had spread out a blanket on the sidewalk slash lawn area of her friend's apartment complex. Katie's friend lived in an apartment complex located at 4402 Speedway in Austin, Texas. And you can look up this address. I did. It's a small beige stone two-story complex with narrow windows and neat little balconies that are shaded by trees and shrubbery. For some reason, this building really reminded me of like an English cottage, even though I feel like if you were in England and you had seen a lot of English cottages, you would not think that at all. But for me, it kind of looked like if an English cottage and like an old country church had a baby. Nice. This building. Yeah. It's not like a not like a really ornate church, but more like a country box church. Yeah, yeah. Had a baby with a with like a an English country home. Yeah. It looks like this. Like that kind of stone. Like it's kind of uneven and kind of like whitishy beige color. But it's it's like pretty in like a really simple way. Nice. The street in this area is very walkable. There's sidewalks. There's a wide road. It's lined with well-kept houses and multifamily units. A lot of the homes in this area are houses and not so much apartments. So a lot of the apartment complexes are very small. And... There are a lot of like, trees and stuff, so it's very picturesque. Like It's definitely a place that you would think, I can go out, I can walk around, I can let a kid ride a bike, I can walk a dog. Right. It's that kind of neighborhood. As the couple relaxed on the blanket, they didn't notice the figure crouching behind the apartment's bushes watching them. They weren't exactly the only people out at that time of morning, though. Joggers and dog walkers occasionally pass on the sidewalk, creating your typical cityscape. As they chatted and watched the sunrise, Katie's date realized that he needed to use the restroom, and so he decided to pop back into the apartment quickly to relieve himself. While her friend went inside to go to the bathroom, Katie waited outside for him in the slowly brightening morning. She lay on a blanket spread out on the ground. It was a lovely morning, perfect weather to spend outdoors. As she lay there, Katie says that she closed her eyes for a, quote, Moment of solitude, unquote. As Katie relaxed on the blanket, a strange girl approached her. She was tall and slender, a teen with cherubic cheeks and a button nose. Hardly the type of girl who would strike fear in anyone. Katie had never met this girl. They were complete strangers. Unfortunately, this innocent-looking teen proved to be a total nightmare. You see... She wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. Katie awoke when a knife plunged into her body. Oh, shit. That escalated quickly. mm -hmm. She opened her eyes and she says the girl smiled as she plunged the knife into her. Katie screamed and grabbed at the girl trying to fight her off. According to her attacker, during the struggle, Katie yelled, What the fuck? Help and leave as the teen stabbed her. She tried reasoning with this girl, but unfortunately, she just kept stabbing her. Yeah, I mean, when somebody decides they're going to stab you out of the blue, it's likely that reason isn't going to make a difference. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories. 
a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. True. The mysterious girl stabbed Katie 21 times in total. Damn. 21. That is a lot of stabs. It's a lot of stab wounds. During the attack, Katie managed to grab a chain hanging around her attacker's neck, and from the chain hung a gold ring. Later, this gold ring would actually prove to be a pretty good piece of evidence because when she pulled the chain off, the ring fell onto the ground on the scene where Katie was being attacked. As fast as this attack started, the teen fled the scene on foot, disappearing into the neighborhood. Although Katie survived the initial assault, she had very serious injuries, including a collapsed lung, knife wounds, and severe blood loss. Some of these wounds included deep gashes on Katie's arms, and like, these were very long, several inch long gashes on her arms. Wow. Her injuries could be fatal, as doctors later called them life-threatening. However, Katie did have an advantage that most people don't. As a nurse, she knew how to save a life, and in this case, she actually saved her own life. Katie used her medical knowledge to tend to her wounds as she awaited help, and this enabled her to survive. That is awesome. It is awesome. That's kick-ass. She literally saved her own life. That's awesome, yeah. First responders rushed Katie to the hospital where a surgeon also worked to save her life. And in addition to surgery, she required several blood transfusions to replace all the blood that she lost. She lost a really large quantity, which makes sense because 25 stabs. But also, she did have surgery too. Mm -hmm. Doctors repaired her collapsed lung and sewed up her wounds, but they couldn't heal the tendon and nerve damage. And for a while after the attack, Katie wasn't even sure if she'd regain the use of her arms and hands. At one point, she didn't even know she could still be a nurse, which is really sad because she really liked being a nurse, and that was, she just started her career. She's only 23. Yeah, that really sucks. Mm -hmm. As she recovered, Katie required physical therapy to get back to her regular activities, which she was able to do for the most part. While investigating the crime, police recovered the gold ring from the scene. However, they didn't find a ton of evidence pointing to their attacker. At first, police had no suspects in the crime. They did, however, have a good description of the attacker provided by Katie. This proved to be helpful. The month after the crime, in December 2015, the Hyde Park Neighborhood Association passed out information flyers with a drawing of the suspect and information about the attack. Eventually, these flyers helped identify a suspect. The big break came on Valentine's Day 2016. On February 4th, 2016, Austin police responded to a family disturbance call on Avenue C. Interestingly, this home was just two blocks from the apartment complex where someone stabbed Katie. The caller told the dispatcher that she was in a dispute with her teenage daughter. During that altercation, the teen pulled a knife on her mother. Oh, wow. According to the teen's mother, her daughter matched the description of the stabbing suspect on the flyers. Not only that, but her daughter had a collection of knives and had bragged about committing a stabbing. Wow. Yes. So, a lot of red flags happening over here. Uh Uh-huh. When the police arrived at the scene, they found the daughter, 18-year-old Pearl Ophelia Sybil Selkie Scott Moen, who was 17 at the time of Katie's attack. Also, yes, she has six names. That's a lot of names. It is a lot of names. I feel like they had a lot of aspirations for her. And I don't know if this is what their goal was. Actually, I know for sure it wasn't because her mom was very upset about what happened. Yeah, yeah. Moen did not have a criminal record for the most part. She was arrested in 2015 for misdemeanor family violence assault and received probation for that. But she did have a history of drug use. Additionally, she had a documented history of mental illness. There are allegations that she had previously stabbed a bird to death, which her mother supposedly thought would 
get it out of her system. I don't think that's how that works, though. No, it's definitely not how it works. Also, that might be an online rumor. There's an online rumor that she killed animals. But according to Katie, or someone posting as Katie, she verified that the bird thing happened. So that might have come up at trial or something because she seems to believe that that is true. Interesting. Yeah, and to be fair, with all the other stuff that happens and with what we're about to learn about her, it definitely tracks that she would have stabbed a bird. Moen attended the Austin School for Performing and Visual Arts until 2013. At that point, she left the school to transition to homeschooling. She was 15 at that time. Kids who went to the school with her described her as sweet, creative, and shy. Using the tip from her mother, police were able to obtain a search warrant for Moen's home. And during their search, detectives found a very suspicious diary entry written at the time of Katie's attempted murder. Now, this diary entry is quite long, but I'm going to read all of it because it's very relevant. And also, you guys are going to lose your crap. Okay. Quote, I stabbed an innocent woman to death earlier today. Technically yesterday, since it's 1 a.m., It was absolutely fantastic. Murder gives me a high unlike any other. It feels like this crisp unreality, flashing and sparkling, adrenaline and shock, fight or flight mode. How do I even go about describing it? The whole thing was unreal. I'm so proud of myself. I stabbed her like 20 times, maybe more. I wasn't counting. She screamed and grabbed at me saying, what the fuck? Leave. Help. For now, I should explain why. Other than the fact that I'm a homicidal psychopath, I have a deep hatred towards people right now. Yesterday, I lost my other gold ring I've worn all my life on a chain around my neck as it was ripped off by a girl I was murdering. Fate is weird, unquote. That is chilling. It's chilling. It's so crazy. Yeah, that is wild. Mm -hmm. So some lines that are highlighted from this passage that you'll see a lot about this case are that she called murder absolutely fantastic. Yep. So that's a big one. That one gets a lot of headlines on this case. She's referred to as the girl who called murder absolutely fantastic. Also that she said it gave her a high like any, unlike any other, Mm -hmm. which especially since she does get high is probably a red flag that she (laughs) likes it. Yep. So that was obviously not signaling anything good. Also that she's proud of herself for stabbing this person. She thinks that her victim has died. Well, her survivor. She thinks that Katie is dead. So she's over here being proud of herself for committing murder, which is not a good look. Yeah, that's horrific. Yeah. And then also she refers to herself as a homicidal psychopath and says that she has a deep hatred towards people right now. And then goes on to complain that as she's bragging about this murder, that she lost her gold ring when Katie pulled it off. Yep. It's just wild. That's a lot of red flags. Yeah. And so later on when Katie heard about this, because she had said in some interviews that she felt like her killer, especially since, well, her attacker, but since she knew that it was a teen girl, she could tell she was very young. She expected her to have some sort of remorse or, like, empathy or something and had just assumed that. And then she found out about this diary entry and realized with horror that this girl had written this about her. Yep. And she also, later on, like, years later, she get, she did an interview where she talked about how the last line at the time had not really struck her as weird. But then as time has passed, the whole fate is weird line has really stuck out to her because she's like... What is she talking about? Like, is she talking about the fate of me being chosen as a murder victim at random while, like, on a date laying on a, like, on a blanket just in a neighborhood where it's supposed to be safe? Or is she talking about, like, her own fate and, like, just losing her ring as some kind of fate when she's the one who's doing these things? Yep. It's wild that just that whole idea of, like, wow, I can't believe I lost this. Like, fate's weird when she's trying to take fate into her hands and steal someone's life. It's just wild. Yep. So that is what's happening with Pearl Moen. At the end of this paragraph, the gold ring that she mentions, as you probably have figured out, is the gold ring that was found at the scene of Katie's attack. And this actually helps police start to link things. Because most people don't know there was a gold ring there. So seeing a diary entry where she's mentioning that, that's something only the killer would know. So this is kind of a red flag situation. 
Yep. When Katie found out again that she wrote about this crime, she actually told KXAN News, quote, knowing this person could describe me this way and have no remorse was the hardest part for me, unquote. I can understand that. Yeah, especially because I feel like even though she survived, we've talked about this in some of our other survivor stories, I feel like it's so easy when someone survived to think of, wow, this person is a badass. Because they are. They're all badasses. But that doesn't mean that they're not losing something or a part of themselves in that badassery. Like, yes, it's amazing that she survived and she did it on her own strength. Like, not everyone could do what Katie did. But having these injuries, like having her lung be collapsed, having her arms be sliced up, having her body be cut into, having to get these surgeries, having these nerve pains, having nerve damage for the rest of her life, and having scars on her body, and having the psychological terror of being in a very safe situation where a lot of us would be in this situation. Like it was already like, They're watching the sunrise, but it's not dark outside. Like, the sun is rising. So there's light out. There's joggers. There's dog walkers. It's it's a very nice neighborhood. Like, there's no reason why she should have had any fear at all that something would happen to her. And just to have, like, be alone for a couple of minutes and have a teenage girl who lives down the road run out and stab you, like, that leaves behind a fear that you have to cope with forever And even though it's unfair and maybe you don't want to live with it, it's like you can't just make a choice for it to go away. Yep. And so you have this girl who now also has no remorse. It makes sense that that would be the hardest part of just knowing that, like, you went through all this and then this girl still thinks that it's the best thing ever. Yep, that's right. Additionally, and not only did they find this diary, but Moen's mother actually found several drawings related to the attack which she turned over to police. And some of these drawings even showed Katie on the blanket with her date before the stabbing. And it was correct down to the clothes that they were wearing. Wow. And keep in mind, she went to an art school. It doesn't say exactly that that she was good at like visual art, but she did go to an art school and is listed as being shy. So it kind of sounds like since she had a lot of drawings that she probably was good at drawing. Yeah, And so, and the police were like, oh my God, that's literally the outfit. Yep. I mean, that's good evidence. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Later, police questioned Moen's former boyfriend, the person she was dating at the time of the crime, and he also said that Moen told him that she had killed someone in late November, because, or in November, I'm sorry, because he thought that Katie had died. So he had, she had just told some of her closest confidants, including this boyfriend, that she had killed someone. Wow. And I think people were dismissing her. And I think that's part of why I wanted to do this case, though, is that she is such... I don't want to say wicked because I don't like when people use, like, evil language because I don't think she's, like, evil. I think she's a bad person. But I don't really think of people as being, like, monsters. People can do monstrous things, though. And she definitely does monstrous things. But it's one of the things that I find the most compelling about true crime because she is this girl that is this waifish teenager at the time she commits this crime and that's why nobody says anything when she's doing these other things because they're judging her as being safe but she's not safe and that's one thing that just for me as a person who consumes true crime is interesting is that I feel like there are certain groups of people and we know who they are who a lot of times are judged more harshly our biases are assumed against them especially men and especially men of color people assume like oh my god he's threatening and the police are really bad about this yep. whereas you have like certain especially certain types of white women who are like waifishy white women who people are like oh you're safe you're the innocent but then that's not always true And this story, it just, I feel like there's like more to the story, everyone. Like, I'm not done. But this girl's case reminds me of that because she allegedly has done things like kill birds. She's been telling people about these murders. She's collecting knives and telling people she wants to know what it feels like to kill someone. And she's threatening people that she's going to stab someone or telling people she stabbed someone. Her mom knows that this lady was attacked and recognized that her daughter looked like the flyer before she was ever threatened with the knife. Yeah. Like this was like a two month gap between when she saw the flyer and when she actually told the police about it. And like because her daughter was threatening her at that moment. And I don't think that she would have waited as long if she didn't have... A child, like a, a childish looking, you know, slender 
big-eyed, you know, doe-eyed girl who's like looks so innocent. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, it's just interesting to me because I feel like this is a, a case that highlights biases. It always reminds me of one of my, the most interesting cases that I've seen on Deadly Women, but I think I've seen it on another show, is where a lady kills her former lover because he's trying to break things off. And she, she shoots him a bunch of times and the cop because the cop won't like try to, like he's not trying to take her down. Like he's literally being threatened with a gun. She's actively shooting the cop. He's like, ma'am, please put it down yep. because she's a white lady yep. and he doesn't want to shoot her. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, yeah, cops, go shoot everybody because obviously that's bad and we don't support that here. Yep. But there are times when police's life are in danger, like when a woman is actively shooting you in that moment. Yeah. And you're like, you can use force at that point. And so to actively choose not to use force because you're not feeling threatened by someone who is literally shooting you is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a weird kind of bias. And I think that she benefited from that by, and that's why I mentioned when I was describing her, and she's not the kind of girl that you would fear, but sometimes you should fear them because this is the person who's actually going to try to attack you. Yep. Oh, hi. If you're looking for another spooky and funny podcast to add to your rotation, check out Anything Bones, now part of the Podmoth Network. Hey Boneheads, I'm Sophie Schwartz. And I'm Caitlin Hart. And we're the hosts of Anything Bones, the podcast where we talk about bones and bone-related topics. Soph, what are bone-related topics? Thank you for asking, Caitlin. This can be anything from mausoleums to murderers, famous skeletons to cadaver dogs. Bone churches, mummies, serial killers. You'll hear about them all. And sometimes we have guests stop by and tell us their favorite bony tales. Check out Anything Bones on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever your little heart desires. We release new episodes every Saturday. Bone Voyage. Authorities eventually charged Moen with aggravated assault, serious bodily injury with deadly weapon, and criminal attempt murder in late February, and officers booked her into jail on February 28, 2016. Moen went to the Travis County Jail to await trial, and a judge set her bond at $1 million, which is like, what? That's good, yeah. Yeah, so guess who's not getting out of jail? It's her. Also, remember, her mom's afraid of her, so probably not going to bail her out. Yeah, especially not with that kind of bail. No, not at this point. Assistant District Attorney Joe Frederick represented the state in this case, and he decided to offer a plea deal, and he believed that attempted murder made the most sense in this case because his choices were kind of, do I want to go after aggravated assault or do I want to go after attempted murder? Well, for most people, attempted murder definitely sounds worse, right? Yep. So he went with attempted murder because that's clearly what she was doing. She thought she had even committed the murder, so that makes sense. And so he offered Moen a plea deal and she accepted. In January 2017, a judge officially sentenced her to 15 years in prison for second-degree attempted murder. At the sentencing, the survivor Katie said that she was glad the defendant stabbed her rather than a child, an elderly person, or someone who could not defend themselves, unquote. Which I thought was so generous of her to like. Yeah. And also, I guess, a way to try to look on the bright side, which is hard in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I think it says mm-hmm. a lot about her character to, yeah. to say it like that. That she would rather it be her because she knew that she could, you know, fight and live. Yeah, exactly. The, like, she's clearly like a very good person. Yeah, exactly. Moen's mother offered her sympathy to Katie. I didn't want to find her name because she comes off as very sympathetic in a way, like aside from not reporting her daughter earlier, she was very upset about what happened and very like on Katie's side in this situation. So I didn't want to crap all over her in the podcast. But as it turns out, Katie and her family were also offering sympathy to Moen's mother too, because she struggled with seeing her daughter turned into a criminal like, she, this was obviously not her goal in life. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like she did anything to actively encourage this type of behavior. Yeah. Aside from letting her kill that bird. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like she was like, yeah, let's just do whatever we want. Or murder's fun. Exactly. Yeah. Or like stab, stab, stab. <laughs> Sounds like she didn't do this on purpose. Moen will serve her sentence, or kind of, we'll get to it. 
at the Hilltop unit at Gatesville, Texas. And this prison does offer mental health treatment, which will hopefully help rehabilitate her. Now they can't say what kind of treatment she may or may not be receiving because that would actually be HIPAA. And that's actually mentioned in discussions of her case. Like no one can disclose it, but the implication has been that she was sent to that prison in particular to get mental health treatment for whatever it is that's making her like this. Although there was one doctor that talked about like if it is that she has psychopathic tendencies, I mean, it's not like they can treat that. That's not like a mental illness that you get better from. Yeah. So hopefully not. I mean, that's what she says is wrong with her, but ideally not because like the most she could be in there is 15 years, which is probably not going to happen because we're going to segue into like the part two of the sentencing part. Yep. Because pretty much immediately after the sentencing in 2017, while everyone is expecting Moen to be gone in prison for 15 years, a surprise happens. Uh-oh. And it turns out she might actually leave prison much earlier. Because, as it turns out, attempted murder isn't considered a very serious crime in the state of Texas unless you can prove on the record that a deadly weapon was used in it. And so, even though Moen used a deadly weapon, in this case a knife, that was not included as part of the charge. Like, there's a separate part of it. And so as a result of this, she came up for parole very early. And by very early, I mean pretty much immediately. Wow. This was an oopsie by the prosecution. And they admitted that they made this oopsie. Like, they did not realize that that's how the statute was written. Like, it's written differently than what you would anticipate. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, and so he was, like, the prosecutor was literally thinking, I've gotten her degree to a 15 years. Like, this is going to be fine. But, unfortunately, with this particular type of attempted murder charge, since it doesn't have that proven weapon situation... She gets credit, first of all, for the years that she had already been in prison, which was like around two years. Well, I think it was actually 18 months that she had been sitting in jail waiting for trial. So she got credit for the 18 months. And she also gets an extra day of credit for each day that she's like good in jail, like based on this type of sentence. And so she can reduce her sentence all the way down to like like an eighth or something of the sentence. It's like really, really tiny. So what ends up happening is that she goes to jail for 15 years in January 2017. But because she'd been in jail for like around almost a year when she got her sentencing, she goes up for parole in November of 2017. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So like literally like immediately, like not even a whole year in prison and she's up for parole. On a 15-year sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much everyone is shocked, except for probably her defense lawyer, who I guess is like, yeah, go team. But the prosecution, Katie, like Moen's family, they're all shocked because essentially this girl who has just accepted this sentence is now up for parole 10 months later. And ironically, if she had pleaded guilty to the aggravated assault charge, she couldn't have possibly gone up for parole until 2023 which is like a full six years later. And the reason why is because the aggravated assault is considered a 3G crime. 3G relates to the statute in the Texas law uh, that covers very serious crimes, whereas attempted murder without that weapon is not a 3G. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's totally weird. So like, it doesn't make sense, which is how the mistake happened in the first place. Katie, once again, fought hard when she found out that Moen might be getting out. But this time, her goal was to keep Moen in prison. She even did media interviews, and she has stated that she's not a huge media person. Like, she was happy to get the coverage, and she uh, actually was happy that people were sharing her case so that everyone knows what Moen did and can help keep her in jail. But she's not, like, one who's, like, seeking out attention. And she even posted on Reddit trying to encourage people to write into the parole board just to say, like, please, can you do this? Can you... Like, help keep her in jail. Yeah, exactly. She argued at that time that two years was not enough time to rehabilitate Moen, which makes sense, especially because she had been in county jail for, like, the majority of that. So she's wasn't getting any kind of treatment in county jail. Exactly. She'd still be dangerous if released based on any kind of rational thinking that you could put into this. I mean, someone who says they're proud of themselves for murder and, like, that excited about it murder's fantastic yeah murder's fantastic and how much she hates people and now she's been sitting in jail for a year like this is not someone we need out in the streets let's be serious absolutely to this day also as a note katie has scars and nerve pain from the attack and she's still recovering psychologically 
And so this is like something that really affects her. She told KZAN News that the incident still affects her life daily and said, quote, this has made such a big impact on my life. I mean, I still suffer from day-to-day repercussions of what happened, unquote. And even though she's been able to return to her career as a nurse, like things aren't the best. And so she did write in these letters. She did encourage people. And fortunately, at the parole hearing, the board did deny her parole. And in their ruling, they said they denied it because, quote, the record indicates the instant offense has elements of brutality, violence, and assaultive behavior or conscious selection of victims' vulnerability, indicating a conscious disregard for the lives, safety, or property of others, such that the offender poses a continuing threat to public safety. And after the board denied Bowen's parole, Katie thanked the people who wrote in, and she said to the Austin American statesman, quote, I really just want to say thank you to everyone who supported me during this trying time and that wrote letters to the parole board to keep this evil girl in prison. I want to keep trying every year she's eligible for parole to fight to keep the community safe by keeping her in prison. And Moen will continue to come up for parole until she's eventually let out. We know that she'll be let out at least within 15 years. It's very unlikely she'll serve the whole 15. But the prosecutor has said that he does not believe she'll be let out anytime soon. And even at the time when she first came up, he was like, it's very unfortunate because Katie has to deal with it. But the likelihood of her getting out is very, very, very small because of the type of crime that she committed and how long she'd been in there. Right, yeah. I did look, and I believe she is still incarcerated. I could not find any release information for her or any other kind of parole information, and I really looked for it. I also couldn't find any other indication that she's resumed any sort of of life outside of prison. So I am going to include the information if you'd like to send a letter to the parole board to keep on file, because in Katie's interview, she said that any letter that you send in will be kept on file. So for future parole instances, you can have your letter recognized. Nice. And so I'm including the address to send that in our show notes. And it'll include her information so you can put that. I could list it right now, but honestly, I don't feel like anyone's going to be able to like follow it. So just look at our show notes. I'm already put it in there so that I can just post it into that. So you can write in if you feel so inclined. And she said that you don't really have to write a lot. You can literally just write that you don't support her being released. Now, I said before that even though Katie has a lot of impact on her life, she did return to her career. And she's actually tried to be kind of positive about her life. She told the Austin American Statesman newspaper, quote, My life is beautiful. I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. I get to do these things, unquote. That's a cool perspective. Yeah, I thought that was a good perspective, especially, you know, right now, obviously what I'm going through is not anywhere close to being stabbed, but having lost people close to me recently and having been dealing with some health issues that I'm getting treatment for, it has been really sucky and I've been feeling kind of negative, but like, I also have been trying to stay positive and like, look at good parts of things and be grateful for the blessings because I have a lot of blessings in my life. And so I've been trying to recognize those and not dwell on bad stuff. And so it's nice to have someone who's been through such a trauma kind of remind you, like, just really look at those things that are blessings, like, that you get to do things that maybe you wouldn't get to do. Like, if someone stabs you, (laughs) if someone stabs you, you wouldn't, or like, right now, I have been watching a lot of war stuff from Ukraine, and it's just been, like, a moment of really recognizing of it's nice right now to be in a comfortable house and to not have to worry about you know someone blowing up my stuff and like me running or my family members being in danger and like having to make hard choices because I feel like a lot of the people that we see fleeing Ukraine this is off topic and I'm sorry it's like I feel like it's just as hard to have to flee and be a refugee as it is to fight and I don't mean that to like to take away from what the people who are fighting are doing because it's so amazing what they've been able to do. Like, it's it's like literally, uh, I feel like amazing is not strong enough of a word. But I don't want to say inspiring because I feel like that feels gross. I don't mean it as in like, oh, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm more like just that these are amazing human beings that are doing the impossible. But just the idea of having to like go somewhere that you don't know, like flee your country, leave everything behind. You don't have time to even plan. It's a hard road ahead. I know that they were talking about how they need baby carriers because people are having to carry their babies. And it's like they're walking forever carrying these babies. Like that's such a hard thing that you don't even think about until someone tells you. And then like they're going to an unknown place and they the people they're leaving behind, it's like they have to think about them. Like just making the choice to like 
save save your child is just I feel like a really hard thing even even just as hard as deciding to stay like it's just it's just a hard situation absolutely I've been thinking a lot about the war yep so back to Katie though she after her attack has worked with pushing for stabbings to be tracked because apparently some police departments including the Austin PD do not track stabbings gun violence is tracked but stabbings are not. And there's like a whole website nationally that tracks gun violence. A lot of times when we do crimes that have guns, I'll actually come up against some of these gun tracking websites that I'll be talking about the incident. Whereas in this case, for stabbings, that does not happen. And so she has argued, along with some other stabbing victims, that stabbing victims are just as important as gun violence victims, and they should be tracked. She told KZN News again, quote, I might be one tick on that roster, but I'm still a person and it's important to keep these people's lives accounted for. And that's why tracking these is so important. To see not only a trend, but possibly what you can do to prevent it. It's not to say that this is a lesser crime because the butter knife that you have in your house can do it and a gun is harder to come by. It's still people's lives. And at one point, she even talked about how sometimes she felt like not like seriously, but kind of um, like sardonically that it's almost like she should have just died in order to be important as a victim and for people to take it seriously because that's how a lot of times stabbing victims are looked at, which is ridiculous, especially considering that one stab wound can kill you. It just so happens that you can, I mean, if she hadn't have known what to do, she would have died. Yeah. With her 21 stab wounds. And so it's just, it's absolutely terrible that she was even made to feel this way. Like, she thanked the Austin PD for, you know, for all they did for her. But at the same time, this is still partly how she feels. And it's not just her. There's other stabbing victims that have worked on this as well that have come forward and talk about their experience or their experience losing someone close to them. And it is a hard thing. And something that we probably should look at because there are these incidences that occur. And she also, in the same article that that was talking about her pushing for this, they talked about how Texas had actually that same year approved a law that allows for open carry of very large knives, like Bowie knives and stuff. You can't do it on like campuses and stuff, but you can still carry like giant knives around and how it's like swords and stuff and how it was like traumatizing for some of these, these victims of like, now there's just knives, just people are just walking around with them. And there was like one family that right before it was, the law was approved, their child had been stabbed in an incident on a campus. And they're like, well, we won't allow them on campuses. And they're like, okay, that's magically going to fix this. I know. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's a hard situation. And I know for us, for Texas, we have a lot of really lenient weapons rules anyway. Like, now you can just carry guns for all, all over the place. Like, anyone can have guns out now um, at, in Texas. So That's right, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, okay, now we all have guns. La, la, la. The, the Wild West. It's a Wild West situation. I remember when I was teaching and people would be like, we should just give all the teachers guns. I'm like... Are we sure? I don't think that's a good plan. Like, I don't know that that's yeah. what we should be doing. No, that was a terrible plan. No, like, I was a- imagining my mom, who was a teacher at the time. You just, know, like, and, strapped. And, yeah, you know, like, my 60-plus-year-old my mom, who doesn't shoot guns at all, is, you know, all of a sudden is, like, trying to fumble with a gun as, like, there's a, you know, a yeah, bad like guy a going. And I'm like, this is, like, the worst idea ever. I mean, no offense mm-hmm. to my mom, but, like, that's just, I mean, that's just not her wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I really don't think that's the right thing to do. It's just everyone just ends up doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, that's something that I guess we should just, I guess, keep our eye on because I feel like it's not going to go away. But I did I did agree, though, that we should be tracking the knife crimes. And they, I mean, they're very dangerous. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't prevent all crimes or anything, but we can probably try to look for ways to prevent them and maybe try to get people help, like, I don't know. I feel like it just needs to be easier for us to get help for people that are experiencing these feelings because I think the only way they really could have prevented Pearl Moen from attacking someone is if she got mental health care at an earlier time and some kind of intervention. And unfortunately, I don't think there's any system in place right now that that could have happened. Yeah, I agree. Because it probably comes down to like her close family members and friends speaking up and being like, we need to get her help. But, like, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. they can't just, like, make her go get the help. Like, you can't just drop someone off at therapy and, like, 
it get fixed. Yeah, exactly. Especially not for this particular thing. Like, if she had, like, already tried to stab someone, you might could call the police and have her maybe committed or something. Not committed, committed, but, like, sent to a hospital facility in response to this crime. But I don't think it works that way if you're just, like, saying weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm just trying to imagine a scenario. I think that's, like, the hardest part is, like, so many of these cases that we see people attacking others... There's, like, a lead-up period where something bad happens. But then, I mean, maybe that's where we need to focus our efforts as a group. Yeah. Of trying to figure out how we can address these, these like, obvious issues with people before they do something in a way that actually is, con- like, doable. Yeah, absolutely. Doable and achievable. <laughs> I'm thinking of, like, community. And I don't know if anyone else is thinking about community. Because I used to love community, the TV show. And I'm thinking of when they were trying to do, like, the banners... When Jeff is going to graduate and he's like, we want doable and passable, I think is the other word. Like, so we want doable and passable. And then Annie's planning like really elaborate banners and he's like, doable and passable. Something like that. (laughs) Anyway, just some more pop culture stuff, I guess. Thank you for listening. That's basically what I have on Pearl Moen. I thought this case was wild. I came across it while I was researching something else. I cannot remember which case it was. But this came up and I was like, what is happening here? Yeah, that's a crazy case. And I saved it. I was like, Jesus, I want to switch. I was like almost done researching whatever it was I was doing. And I was like, can we switch to this? Because what (laughs) is is happening? This is a crazy case. Why is she proud of herself for murdering? Like, I'm confused. Like, I was seeing articles like, girl who said murdering was fantastic, up for parole. And I'm like, why is she up for parole? Like, don't let her out. Like, she looks very young. What is going on? It's like, murderous teenager. And I'm like, she was a teenager? Why is she killing people? And then it's a stranger. It's not even, like, someone who harmed her. Like, you expect it to be, like, her abusive parent or, like, somebody at school who bullied her or maybe some guy that she thought she was entitled to. And then she's just, like, creeping in the bushes. Like, you could just be anywhere. I mean, if you, be serious, if you saw a 17-year-old girl in the bushes watching and drawing, because she had her, obviously she drew some of the stuff from, like, watching them, are you going to be afraid? No. But in this case, you definitely should be because she is crazy. Yeah. I don't, I shouldn't use that word. I'm sorry. But she has some problems. That's right. And is murdery. I almost don't feel bad about it because she tried to murder somebody innocent. But I shouldn't use that word probably. All right. Well, that is the end of Pearl's case and Katie's story. And we're really glad that Katie lived. I don't think she lives in Austin anymore. But at the same time, if you recall, she is having privacy. So... Where it actually did include one of the sources because it had her last name in it. And I was like, uh-oh, this source had an oopsie. Because <laughs> she had been very particular about not wanting people to have know her last name. Yeah. So, yeah. But she is fortunately alive and off living her life somewhere. And hopefully, you know, Pearl's going to stay in prison for a while. Because she probably should be in there for a little bit there. Because maybe the whole 15 years. Ideally the whole 15 years TBH. Because I think that she needs to be in there for that long. She'll still be very young when she gets out. She'll be in her early 30s. Yep. So, you know, that's plenty of time to hopefully not commit more murders. But I do think if she gets out too soon, that could definitely happen. Yeah. If you would like more true crime from us, please go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash backspod. We have a lot of bonus content over there. It's been building up. You can enjoy that. Membership started at a dollar. And also, I have stickers. If you haven't gotten your stickers yet, even if you've been a patron forever, please tell me so I can send you stickers. Just send me your address. I'm about to send out stickers to our newest patron, who is awesome. Her name is Susie. Hello, Susie. Thank you for joining and thank you for messaging me some kind words. Also, if you would like to follow us on social media, at some point I'll be posting there again. Our handles are at BadAxePod, and that's on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is where I'm most comfortable. And also, we have a TikTok. We haven't been posting videos lately, but there are several up there. My favorite is the Jack the Ripper video. It's not as popular. I don't know why, but I personally love that video. And so, if you would like to watch that, that is on TikTok. We also have a website that Aaron's going to tell you about. Uh, website's badxpod.com. Go check it out. It's a really cool website. I forgot to tell you, you can email us at badxpod at gmail.com. And then also, finally, as a reminder, we may not be doing next week because of my grandmother's passing slash funeral. But I might try to put out a mini if I have time. So look for that. 
possibly happening. I might do a feed takeover because we have a lot of other great Podmouth podcasts that have given us the option of using an episode from them. But I've already used like two, I think. So I don't know if I want to do that. We'll have to see what I have. Maybe yep. we'll do something small, like a little tiny case that I've been saving for a mini case. I found this one. I don't want to spoiler it, but it's about a guy who tried to put another guy in a wood chipper. But I'm, I was saving that for Patreon. So we'll see what happens with that. Because that was pretty bad. I was like, what? That is a crazy case. Basically, like most of the research is me going, what? <laughs> and then trying, there's like a, I have like a whole folder full of like random abandoned like cases where I'm just like, this is fucking crazy. I need to tell everyone about this. And then I have to pick which crazy case to do every week. It's That's hard. right. It's a hard choice. It is. It's, it's a hard. hard choice. All right, people. We will see you later. Have good weeks. I hope your 2022 is going pretty well. I don't really know anyone who's like feeling great this year, but I mean, maybe it'll get better. It That could happen. It could. Um, It doesn't seem like it's going to get better because, I mean, there is a war now. That's bad. And, but I mean, who knows what could happen? Maybe, um, maybe there are aliens that are real and they're like really nice. Maybe Maybe, so. maybe they have the cure for all the diseases. I'm going to start like a conspiracy podcast, but it's like all good things hmm. where it's like, there's an alien species. I don't know if you call it that. That sounds disrespectful. I don't know why. And they are coming any day now. And it's like, it's good stuff. And you don't have to die or anything or follow any kind of weird religion. Like, it's just, they're just going to show up and be like, hey guys, like, this is our, our present holiday. So we're going to give you presents. Hmm. And they're not bad presents. It's not diseases. It's not a smallpox blanket situation. It's just regular blankets and or whatever is nice at the time. It's just cures for diseases are more food. I don't know. Oil for forever. The renewable energies. That could be good that the aliens could give us. Now I'm rambling. I'm sorry. It's at least it's at the end. People could turn it off. They hate it. Let us know what you think the aliens should bring. I don't know. Like, this is how I spiral. Just like start another podcast where I'm just like, all right, people. The good things podcast. Like, yeah, it's like, how will we cope with this podcast? But it's like, it's like weird ways. It's like new and unique ways. Like, all right, let's imagine a scenario where like trees never die. <laughs> like, Although then our furniture would all be alive and that would suck. Yeah. It'd be like, I feel like it wouldn't be like fun like Beauty and the Beast. It would be like, the. I feel like our furniture would all just yell at us. It'd be like cats like you know how cats get mad at you for everything and like if there was cat cps we always joked that the cats would call constantly over everything and i feel like that's what would happen like we'd be sitting at a table and the table would be like i'm calling someone how dare you treat me like this (laughs) i don't want to hold your stuff anymore all right that would be weird i know it would be weird it'd be freaking weird okay i'm gonna let you go and we are gonna talk to you later Bye bye